Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship today. Special welcome to friends, guests, and visitors we have with us. We're so glad that you are here. And welcome as well to those who are joining us uh, online or by phone this morning. Uh, we're ha- glad to have you with us this morning as well. You can say hi to Miriam, too. That's a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's, for those of you who don't know, that's my, that's my baby. So, yeah. <laughs> just, a, a few, um, <laughs> just a few announcements before we begin. Um, uh, first of all, we're trying something during the season of Lent, during our prayers of intercession. The prayers of the people are meant to be reflective of the people who have gathered. Um, and so part of the way we're uh, living into that this season is that we're inviting you to write prayer requests um, on slips of paper that are backed by the font. And there are three different colors of paper. On the yellow slips of paper, you write a prayer for yourself or for a loved one. You can put it in the basket. On the tan piece of paper, we'll include prayers for Trinity or for the wider church. And then on the blue pieces of paper, we're praying for the wider world. That could be your next-door neighbor, or that could be someone halfway around the world. We're praying for the wider world on pieces of blue paper. So if during one of the hymns or if at some point during the service you have a prayer request in mind, you can go and find a piece of paper and put them in the basket before the prayers of intercession, and then we'll read those as part of our prayers. So we're trying that for the season of Lent, and we appreciate your uh, flexibility as we figure out how to do it. After church today, we have um, food and fellowship and Irish music in honor of uh, St. Patrick's Day. The Darby Irish Folk Band will be playing some Irish music after church, so we hope you'll join us downstairs. And this is also the first um, Sunday that our friends from Madison Church, uh, another church that doesn't own their own building, is going to be worshiping downstairs in the parish hall. And so we've invited them as they get ready for their service to come and, and enjoy some food and fellowship with us as well. So uh, help us welcome them. We're trying uh, this uh, space-sharing arrangement with them for three months, so I'm sure there'll be some some learning involved here. So I hope you'll help us figure out how that might work and uh, and help us welcome them to our building. In the mail this week, um, you've either received or are about to receive early next week um, a mailing uh, announcing a special meeting of the congregation on April 3rd. Um, we've got a couple items of business that we will be discussing at that meeting, but please plan to be here on April 3rd for a congregational meeting. As part of that mailing, there is a survey regarding the proposed landscaping on this side of the building underneath the mural. Um, we do have a basket here if you brought your piece of paper, your paper survey. Um, you can place that in the basket. There's also some extra copies there if you want to pick one up and fill it out. You can also fill it out online. So uh, look for that survey in that mailing. Also in that mailing, there's an invitation to a luncheon in honor of Larry Nelson. Um, our friend Larry Nelson, who passed away in December of last year, he had a service um, just for family in January. But his family wanted to provide a luncheon for Trinity because Larry thought of of Trinity as his second family. And so after the meeting on April 3rd, we'll uh, we'll enjoy some time of food and fellowship as well and remember our friend Larry. Are there any other announcements we should make before we begin today? 
Palm Sunday brunch. Yep, so on April 10th, uh, potluck brunch, right? So, uh, so on uh, April 10th uh, will be Palm Sunday. Uh, we'll be having a potluck downstairs, so please mark your calendars for that day as well. And also, just back to Madison Church for a second, they're going to be canceling their service that day and joining us at 9.15. So if you don't get a chance to meet Madison Church folk today, they'll be joining us for Palm Sunday worship on the 10th and for that, that potluck brunch. So please uh, uh, plan on that as well. If there are no other announcements, we'll begin our service with our prelude music, time to prepare our hearts for worship. Please stand as you are able and face the baptismal font.
the name of God who makes a way in the wilderness, walks with us, and guides us in our pilgrimage. Amen. Amen. Holy One, we confess that we have wandered far from you. We have not trusted your promises. We have ignored your prophets in our own day. We have squandered our inheritance. We have failed to recognize you in our midst. Have mercy on us. Forgive us and turn us again to you. Teach us to follow in your ways. Assure us again of your love and help us to love our neighbor. Amen. Beloved in Christ, the word draws near to you and all who call out to God shall be saved. In Jesus, God comes to you again and again and gathers you under the wings of love. In Jesus' name, your sins are forgiven. God journeys with you and teaches you how to live in love. Amen. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. Eternal God, your kingdom has broken into our troubled world through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son. Help us to hear your word and obey it and bring your saving love to fruition in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. First reading. Is this one? The first reading. Is that good? Okay. The first reading is from Isaiah 55. Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you. Because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Word of God, word of life. 
The second reading is from 1 Corinthians. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, 
and they were struck down in the wilderness. Now, these things occurred as examples for us so that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not become idolaters as some of them did. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, and do not complain, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. These things happened to them to serve as an example, and they were written down to instruct us on whom the ends of the ages have come. So if you think you are standing... Watch out that you do not fall. No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Word of God, word of life. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter. At that very time, there were some present who told him, Jesus, about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated.
I ask you to please pray with me. Come to us, Holy Spirit, and speak to us today. Speak to us through the words of, the Holy, of Holy Scripture so we might hear your voice and that we might be transformed into your fruitful people. Amen. Our Gospel reading has two parts to it, two sections. And it can seem like these two parts have nothing to do with each other. There's the first part that has to do with the suffering of those Galileans who were killed, those who had the tower fall on them in Siloam. And then the second part, which is the parable of the fig tree. But I believe these two portions of Jesus' teaching are meant to be paired together, that the parable is part of Jesus' interpretation, Jesus' response to the question of suffering. In the first part of our reading, Jesus is confronted with the brutality of the local Roman ruler, Pilate. Some present told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. According to the Jewish historian Josephus, writing not long after this, Pilate was known for violent outbursts of retaliation and for disdain of local religious practices. He was a brute, as we will see in Holy Week during the story of Jesus' own violent death. There are no other surviving historical accounts of what happened with the Galileans whose blood mingled with their sacrifices, so we have to guess what happened from what little information we have here. To say that their blood mingled with their sacrifices means that Pilate killed them just as they were offering their sacrifices to God. So this means this murder took place in the temple, the temple in Jerusalem, because that is where someone from Galilee would have gone to offer their sacrifices. So this isn't only a murder. This is sacrilege. This is a grave sin that took place in the holiest of places for a first-century Jew. It is a stain on what it, what's supposed to be a place that is set apart as holy, a place that is set apart for God, and now there has been blood spilt in it. This section of Luke's gospel is still part of what's called the travel narrative. It's called the travel narrative because it's the story of Jesus' travels towards Jerusalem, towards the cross. And on this journey, Jesus teaches over and over again what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a faithful people. And this bloody incident in the temple raises some questions about that teaching. What does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to be a disciple when brutes like Pilate can get away with such evil? And where was God for these Galileans? Why didn't God save them? This is as close as we will get to having Jesus address the problem of evil head-on in our Bible. If we have ever wanted to ask Jesus, why is there such meaningless suffering in our world? Why does God allow brutes like Putin to kill innocents? Why does God allow hunger and disease and natural disasters? 
But this incident also raises a more specific question for Jesus and his followers. And in a way, it's a trap that has been set before him. In response to this sacrilegious violence in the temple, the question is, should all good Jews be incensed at Pilate and all the Romans? Should they be taking up arms and starting a revolution? Like other places in the gospel story, Jesus is put in a difficult position. This is a gotcha type of question. If Jesus condemns Pilate, he puts his life and that of his followers in danger, perhaps prematurely since we know he's going to Jerusalem. Or to cross Pilate and the Romans is to risk retaliation, like the Galileans in the temple who were killed by Pilate. But on the other hand, if Jesus ignores the violence against his fellow Galileans, his listeners might be outraged with him by his lack of compassion and his zeal for justice. So either he's going to upset the Romans or he's going to upset people who are like him from Galilee. It's hard to know the intentions of those questioning Jesus here, the text does not say, but it seems that a trap has been set for him. But there is a release valve of sorts for us humans when it comes to suffering and evil. That release valve for most of us is to find someone to blame, someone to scapegoat. If we can just find someone to blame, we can let ourselves off the hook and we won't have to worry about it anymore. If we can just find someone who's at fault, then we can make sense of what is seemingly meaningless. Or if the victim did something wrong, something to cause it, if their suffering is somehow punishment for some kind of sin, then at least we can make sense of it and the universe has some kind of order to it. That's a release valve for us, finding someone to blame when the question comes up. I remember when the earthquake happened in 2010, uh, there were many who were trying to make sense of 200,000 people dying in that earthquake. And for some of us, uh, I've shared before that a good friend of mine died in that earthquake. He was a seminary student at Wartburg. How do we make sense of such a shocking loss of life? Where was God in all of this? And there are some people who are willing to answer, and often it was with that blame. Shortly after the earthquake, the televangelist Pat Robertson came out saying that the earthquake was God's punishment for Haiti for making a pact with the devil in 1804. This is, of course, nonsense, to say at least, and a blasphemous portrayal of our God. And it would be easy to be furious with false teachers like Pat Robertson, Robertson, and believe me, I was at the time. But there's also something so human in his response. Don't we all want an explanation like that, something that makes it clear and easy to explain? Don't we all want to make some kind of sense of the world's suffering? At least if they brought it on themselves, then at least we might feel a little bit safer. Wouldn't it be easier if there was some kind of explanation that we could hand out to people and say, well, sin caused this, so don't do that? Humans throughout the centuries have tried to suggest that suffering is the result of sin. That if someone is suffering, they must have done something wrong. But Jesus in this text contradicts that human response. Do you think 
that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? In other words, do you think that they died because they were worse sinners than any of us? And Jesus answers his own question, no, that's not the way this works. To prove his point, Jesus ups the ante. He moves from the example of political violence to just a stupid and random chance accident. An example of people being in the wrong place at the wrong time just by chance. Jesus goes on. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? Did those 18 people, were they worse sinners than all the rest of us? This was just a simple tragedy. Again, there's scant historical uh, documentation beyond the Bible here, so we're kind of painting a picture based on the details we have. But a tower fell, and those who had the misfortune of standing nearby died. Jesus says not because they were worse sinners, but just because it happened. Jesus is saying in so many words, there's no easy connection for us between our sin and our earthly outcome. Sometimes bad things just happen to good people and to bad people. We can't let ourselves off the hook by blaming the victims for their sins in this case. The world doesn't work that way. Our God doesn't work that way. Jesus says no twice. Instead, Jesus says these moments of unexplainable tragedy and suffering are moments that invite us to even greater obedience to the path of Christ. We may not have an explanation, but we do have an invitation to continue following Jesus despite these tragedies. As the commentator Justo Gonzalez says, the surprising thing is not that so many die, but that we still live. If it were a matter of sin, he says, we would all be dead. Twice, Jesus says, unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. In moments of tragedy, we like to place ourselves in the judgment seat. Perhaps it makes us feel better to think that the world is comprehensible and explainable. If we see someone who is poor or who is suffering, perhaps we sleep better at night if we think that they somehow did that to themselves, that it's their own fault. Or if we hear of someone dying, Maybe we reassure ourselves by making excuses about their health choices. We even judge ourselves this way. I've been by more than a few bedsides where someone asks a version of the question, what did I do to deserve this? But our God doesn't work that way, Jesus says. For Jesus, it's not a surprise that bad things are happening in our broken world. And he discourages us from trying to draw a straight line from sin and suffering. He discourages us from placing ourselves in the judgment seat for ourselves or for others because the only one who can sit in that seat is him. It is the grace and love of God that takes the seat, not us, behind the bench. The surprising thing is not that many die. That has happened throughout the centuries. If it were a matter of sin, we would all be dead, as Gonzalez said. Do we somehow think that those people killed where the tower fell were somehow worse than us? 
They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, Jesus said. The surprising thing is that we are alive, that we are still alive. The surprising thing is that transformation is still possible for us. It is still possible for us to change our hearts and change our lives. There's still time to get with the program, to align ourselves with God's dream, to live into God's kingdom, to love and serve our neighbor. And this is the connection to the parable of the fig tree. This is a parable of hope, in a way. We are living only by the grace of God, and if we've been given that grace, it is time to bear some fruit. In the parable, the fig tree has gone for three years without bearing any fruit, and any wise farmer would have cut it down by now. It's a waste of soil, as the farmer says. But an advocate, a gardener, one who cares for the fig tree, sticks up for it. Let's give it another chance. Let's pour some manure on it. We need to recover a sense of there but for the grace of God go I. That's the relationship between the parable and the tragedies of the Galileans and the temple and the victims of the tower collapse. They weren't worse sinners than any of the rest of us. We are all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. And if it were a matter of sin, we'd be sharing their fate. There, but for the grace of God, go I. It could have been me. If the lottery of my birth had been different, I could have been born in Haiti and died in that earthquake. It could have been me in a bunker in Ukraine if my birth had been different. It could have been me if I had not had a network of support and access to education, experiencing poverty or hunger. There but for the grace of God go I. The suffering of our world is not an opportunity to put ourselves in the judgment seat, to figure out who sinned the most and who deserves what. It's a time to cling to Christ's compassion for us, for the gardener who sticks up for us, saying, give it another year, they'll grow fruit this time. It's time to thank our lucky stars that we're still alive and that we have the opportunity and the gift of bearing fruit for others. The surprise is that some of us are alive by the grace of God and that that grace in Jesus' example is like manure, abundant and nutrient-rich, giving us everything we need to flourish in God's kingdom. There is an advocate, a gardener who is on our side saying, I'm going to give you what you need, everything you need to flourish, everything you need to love and serve our neighbor. It's time to get about the business of bearing fruit in a world that needs it. The gardener has some work to do on us, my siblings, on all of us. Here we are by the grace of God. May we bear the fruit of God's healing and God's love in a hurting world. Amen.
We confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Drawn close to the heart of God, we offer these prayers for the church, the world, and all who are in need. For the health of this planet and the well-being of its creatures, for the lands impacted by droughts and at risk of wildfires, for fig trees and vineyards that produce fruit for our nourishment and delight, for animal habitats threatened by climate change, merciful God, receive our prayer. For those who call upon you for mercy, for all who live in poverty and experience hunger, for any who feel tested beyond their strength, for those who are hospitalized or near death, and for all in need of healing, especially Randy, Myron, Denia, Rick, Vicki, Lynn, Harley, Kristen, and Bob, hear now the prayers of our community for our loved ones. For parents of adult children who are struggling to release their worries about the choices they make, help them to move forward with grace. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We pray for the church around the world in all its forms, for pastors, deacons, bishops, chaplains, and mission developers for church councils, committee chairs, and all lay ministry leaders, for congregations that contemplate difficult decisions about the future of their ministry. Hear now our prayers for Trinity and the mission of the church. God, we ask that you would help Trinity to live into our mission, to bear fruit for the sake of our neighbors. We lift up especially today prayers for um, for our friends at Madison Church, for our siblings in Christ who are part of that community, that you would bless them in this time as they uh, transition into a new space for their worship life. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We pray for the many needs of our world, especially we ask for peace and safety in Ukraine. Hear now our prayers for our neighbors near and far. For those who are punished for speaking out against injustice. Lord, help each of us to see the suffering near us and guide us to help with healing. Merciful God, receive our prayer. 
For those whose whose earthly journeys have ended, we give thanks. With St. Patrick and all the saints, we praise you for the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Accept the prayers we bring, O God, on behalf of a world in need, for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Please share a sign of peace with those around you, and if you think of it, share a sign of peace with those online, on the camera. (laughs) Peace be with you. We won't be passing an offering plate today, but there is an offering plate by the baptismal font where you can see, uh, leave your offering when you come up for communion or as you depart today.
Please stand as you are able. Let us pray. Extravagant God, you have blessed us with the fullness of creation. Now we gather at your feast where you offer us the food that satisfies. Take and use what we offer here. Come among us and feed us with the body and blood of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. You bid your people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast. Renew our zeal in faith and life and bring us to the fullness of grace that belongs to the children of God. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending You are indeed holy, O God, the fountain of all holiness. You bring light from darkness, life from death, speech from silence. We worship you with our lives and for the world you gave us. We thank you for a new world to come and for the love that will rule all in all. We praise you for the grace shown to Israel, your chosen, the people of your promise, the rescue from Egypt, the gift of the promised land the memory of the fathers, the homecoming from exile, and the prophet's words that will not be in vain. In all this, we bless you for your only begotten Son, who fulfilled and will fulfill all your promises. Remember on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. It's my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come. Therefore, gracious parents, with this bread and cup, we remember the life of our Lord offered for us. And believing in the witness of his resurrection, we await his coming in power to share with us the great and promised feast. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So now we pray, your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of our Lord and of his resurrection, that we who receive the Lord's body and blood may live to praise your glory and receive our inheritance with all your saints in light. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Join our prayers with those of your servants of every time and every place and unite them with the ceaseless petitions of our great high priest until he comes as victorious Lord of all. Through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated as we share some instructions for communion. To communion today, you will come up the side aisles. At the front of the side aisle, there are tables uh, that have empty cups. You'll grab an empty cup and you'll bring it to the railing where it will be filled with wine and where you'll receive bread. If you need or desire grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two side tables. Just grab them and bring them with you to the railing. When you're done communing at the railing, you'll return down the center aisle and place your empty cup in this bowl by the center aisle. We want all friends, guests, and visitors to know that you are welcome to commune with us today. This is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table, and the invitation comes from Christ. Here is food and drink for the journey. Take and be filled. Remember, this is the body of Christ given for you.
please stand as you are able. May the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Blessed Jesus, in this rich meal of grace, you have fed us with your body, with the bread of life. Now send us forth to bear your life-giving hope to the world in need. Amen. Amen.
You are children of God, anointed with the oil of gladness and strengthened for the journey. Almighty God, motherly, majestic, and mighty, bless you this day and always. Amen. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is to proclaim and celebrate the love of Jesus Christ, to live as God's servants in the world, and to be a caring and healing community. Go in peace. Jesus meets you on the way.